This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Good afternoon, Tony. <laughs> Hi, Kari. <laughs> Happy June. Happy June 1st. I know. It's June 1st. And it's a sunny day, so it feels like June. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're Zooming. We're, we're, we're distance. We're social distancing, but we're together. We're kind of together. Yes. Now... Literally, the second I was pressing record yeah. to, ca- to capture our voices, uh-huh. I simultaneously opened my inbox in Gmail and yeah. guess what the top email was? Tell me. I'm all ears. Uh, William Paul Young, author of the international bestseller, The Shack and Crossroads and Eve and Lies We Believe About God and a whole bunch of other books. Um author, seller of millions of copies, unbelievable man, just wrote, hey, Tony, been following Pilgrim Lost, so good. How about Monday, June 8th at 10 a.m., or tell me what's best for you. Thanks for the invite to participate. He's coming on the podcast on June 8th. We're going to record to post the following week. That is awesome news. I literally just read that. I can tell you because you're looking at it and reading it. I know. So that wasn't, that wasn't acting, <laughs> that was real. <laughs> so, so, hey, Paul Young, it's gonna be on our podcast. That is super exciting news, I'm, I'm thrilled. I know you've been a friend of his for a really long time, yes? Yeah, yeah, a long time, 15 years. But you're gonna love him. He's so genuine and so sweet and so loyal and so friggin' smart. So we're gonna, we're gonna be talking to him about Pilgriming. So yeah, so what is the, remind me, it's June 1st. What was our theme this month? We were going to do our theme of June was, um, was Pilgrim Lost. The okay. theme was the name of our little, little community, our little movement, our podcast and blogs and all the things we do, Pilgrim Lost. Because we're at a point now, we've been doing this for nine, ten months. Yeah. And it's sort of time to sort of go back and, and confess to our growing community why, why we named it this odd name. Exactly. And, and it took us a while to figure out this name. It did. It did. You didn't love my first, my first suggestion. <laughs> Can you share, share with everyone what your first suggestion was? My first suggestion was, was the Vulgar Pilgrim. I wanted to call it the Vulgar Pilgrim, which I thought, I thought was a great name. Um, but not great, but great. And uh, <laughs> it certainly the, was edgy. I'll give it that. It was edgy. Well, vulgar, vulgar's roots in English is, um, is common, is every day is what it means. But and no one knows that. No one knows Yeah, that. we would have had to explain it every time and it would have become tedious and obnoxious and you were absolutely right to talk me out of it. But just this idea of the, you know, because we want to talk about everyday pilgriming, you know, yeah. not not projecting it to something on the other side of the world, but really what does it mean to, to be a pilgrim in our everyday lives? And I was like, and I love the word pilgrim and it's edgy and, or the word vulgar. I love the word vulgar, you know? And it would have given us an excuse to swear on the podcast, which we try not to do, but um, <laughs> you talked me out of it. Well done. Well, I did do some, I, I didn't just, you know, go with my opinion. I did pull some folks and everyone was- oh sort of confused and like, huh, okay, what? So 
Um, but you were very responsive and you were like, all right, we just have to find something else. So we, we, we went through several weeks of shooting dozens and dozens of names and finally landed somehow on Pilgrim Lost. I'm not even sure how it happened, but we landed on it, but we, I think you, yeah, no, well, and I, I saw, I, I think it was funny. You sent it to me. And if I remember correctly, it was with some other ones. And so I was responding and then I think we got together in person and somehow in the conversation, I think somehow I'd given you the impression that I wasn't into it. And then I'm like, but I really like this other one. I like Pilgrim Moss. And you're like, oh, you do? I, I seem to remember there was some confusion about it because you had sent it to me and I hadn't responded properly or like, like well, right away. I was convinced it was something that I would like because it alludes to Paradise Lost, which is, yeah. you know, such a great novel and embodies so many values that I care about, but it felt a little esoteric maybe, mm-hmm. but then you grabbed on and I was like, maybe, maybe it's better or maybe it's more universal. I thought, and then, and then you, you know, shopped it around to your sister and some other people and they liked it. And with Lissa like something that I'm like, then it's gotta be good. Cause she's smarter than both of us combined. And, uh, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we ended up with that. And, and, and one of the great things about, when we landed on it, or as we were discussing whether or not to marry ourselves to that name, was we knew that both the words were a little were a little scandalous, which went back to the original, um, you know, vulgar pilgrim idea. Like both the words are a little scandalous, right? Because vulgar's a, or I'm sorry, pilgrim's a scandalous word. Yeah, it 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 it's an int- and then right on top of that, lost is not something that you go around advertising that you are. Right, exactly. So let's start with Pilgrim. Like, like yeah, you, you remember why we were hesitant with Pilgrim? Yeah, absolutely. Our, we go back into our history and there's just a, a, whole, a whole mess of stuff in there that makes you not want to claim to be a Pilgrim. Right, U.S. history specifically. I mean, exactly. that term and uh, the way that Pilgrim inhabits the United States story, particularly around First Nations peoples and colonialism and imperialism and um, taking of land and sting of resources and diseased blankets and all of that kind of stuff are some really, really dark parts of U.S. history. And the word pilgrim is linked to that. And a lot of people, when they hear pilgrim, they hear Euro supremacy. They hear um, colonialism. And those are terms that I am not comfortable with at all. And, um, and the reality is, is we live in a world where our country and you're my race uh, has a lot of dark history to it. And um, so we had to, we had really had to battle with, are we willing to carry that baggage, that potential baggage? Yeah. But we went with it anyway. Do you remember, like, why did you go want to go with it anyway? I think because the Camino had redeemed that word for me. There you go. And this idea of uh, a seeking heart, um, the, the, the qualities of the pilgrim on the Camino, to me rose far above, um, or at least it just resounded to me and resonated with me so much that it's almost like I wanted to redeem the word, you know? Right. And uh, I, 
I think because we do have a lot of folks in the Camino community, even though we are wanting this to be about the everyday pilgrim, and all of those folks have also learned how to view that word in this, in this different way, with this different perspective. And so uh, we took the chance on that. And I think I, I don't, I, we haven't really had any, any comments or, or sort of, um, right. you know, feedback that, that, that they, they see it as anything other than the Camino Pilgrim. Um, tell me, why, why do you like the word Pilgrim? Like, does that, and had you, had you ever even heard of it before, before you went on the Camino in the sense of, of, of course, with your history and your theology and all yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with my studies, you know, discussing like the Desert Fathers and, and the mystics of the Middle Ages and stuff um, in, in religious history, which is one of my areas of study, the word pilgrim historically has been a very positive term. It's been a term, while there's always negative connotations in every era, by and large, it's a positive term. It's a term that people write about. Um, 3,000 years ago, a, a great poet 3,000 years ago wrote the line, blessed, blessed is the heart that's set on pilgrimage. Blessed is the heart that's set on pilgrimage. And that's a line that I've been aware of for a long time and really, am drawn to. Um, and certainly when you're walking the community de Santiago and you're meeting people from all over the world and they're, they're literally greeting you as a fellow pilgrim. That's how they, that's how we refer to each other. Yeah. You can't help but build a, a heart of affection around the terminology and then unpacking what the term means, not the Mayflower, Plymouth Rock and that whole story, but to the universal meaning of the word. It's a very transcultural word, actually. Those who go on pilgrimage has been a huge part of human history, and particularly the, the traditions of deep faith have gone on pilgrimage. You think about the walk to Mecca, or you think about the things that the, the, the journeying of Gandhi or the journeying of the Buddhist or, you know, all these different categories, the walking from where um, Jesus lived in Nazareth to Jerusalem multiple times a year for the festivals. Those were all pilgrimages. And these are all traditions from across human history. And in that there's, there's just a great, beautiful, universalism to the term and a longing for wholeness and inspiration. And uh, so I, I'm totally talking too much. I realize that, but I, I, the word, the word really is it's, I, I, I love the fact that you said that we want to redeem the word and redeem its negative history. And the thing also that I love about, you know, I didn't have any of that background or those types of studies. Um, I barely can remember, what did I graduate in? I think my was general studies, <laughs> general studies, um, but I, I did get a degree. So there we go. Um, <laughs> hey, I do art now. Um, but this idea that once I had learned, you know, and I think a lot of folks that go on the commune are very similar, that that is the doorway to opening up this, 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 like you said, this very rich history of pilgrimage and then starting to learn about all over the world that there are these pilgrimages, whether short or long. Um, there's these this this wonderful um, heritage, should I say, or this 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 history that we get to step into, and it's it's I find it 
can I even say addicting to to be able to to step into history that way we've talked about that where we get to walk in this in the steps of these people that have gone before us and in doing this it it sort of um, it transcends like time and place and so as I learn more about other pilgrimages those are those are on my you know my list as far as things that I would love to do you know perhaps when travel resumes again and being able to being able to kind of uncover all of these these treasures all over the world that that have been so meaningful to so many different cultures and 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 the thing that I love about it is it's not about oh this is my culture so I will walk this pilgrimage it is I'm intrigued to learn more about this particular culture. It may be completely different than my own, but I get to go walk in this route. And in doing so, um, the, I get a better sense. I get a, a kind of a close-up view of a culture and I get to not just see it from a distance. I get to actually engage in something that was meaningful to this particular group of people. Yeah. And in doing so, um, sort of lose, lose that, that distance of seeing something from my own point of view, I get to be in their point of view. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally, totally. And in that heart of, of seeing things from their point of view, if anyone in our community hears Pilgrim and quite frankly, they, they, they hear white dominance because that's what they hear. And in this particular era of our nation's history with all of, all of the trauma happening right now, yeah. um, I, I want to hear about it. Because I, I, I completely validate that perspective. That is a completely um, reasonable, um, it's even a righteous interpretation of the term. Now, we're asking everyone to sort of give us the benefit of the doubt that the, that the term might be redeemable. But if, if, in fact, that's the way you hear it, let us know. And, and it's, I don't know that we're going to change it but we certainly want to be in the conversation around it. Okay, so let's talk about the word lost. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because there's so many, um, you know, in the, in the vast world of books and podcasts and places to, to get information, uh, there's so much out there that are, are, are um, postured as, five easy steps to losing weight, right. seven easy steps to becoming your most successful self. There are these, all these things that are going to give you the information that you need in order to better yourself or reach some sort of goal or expectation that you have for yourself. And when we first started talking about this, I think one of my first uh, thoughts about doing a podcast was, Ooh, I can't do a podcast. I don't know. I don't have an answer for I don't have anything figured out. I have nothing figured out. Right. And you said, that's exactly the point. We don't, we don't have anything figured out. We, we are truly lost. And the, what we want to do is not provide answers, but start the conversation and ask the questions. And I, that was what in, in you kind of framing this for me, made me want to do this, to say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm all in about asking the questions and having the conversations. If I can do this without having to pretend that I have something figured out, then, then I definitely want to be part of this. And so that word lost really, um, and I think you used the word like 
we don't want to talk about arrival. And it's interesting because there's so much arrival language, just like when I was just talking about the books, the podcasts, the things out there that are saying, I've arrived and I have all the information. I will now, I will now gift it to you, you know? And uh, so being able to just really put that in our name was, um, that was important to me. And so to, to be able to, to directly say, hey, right up front, this is why we've named ourselves this. We don't have the answers. Uh, that was comforting to me. Well, arrival language is really laden with, I've, I've figured it out. I'm better than you. I'm on the team that figured it out. We're better, you know, this, and, and I just don't want to be about that. Like this hierarchical or come listen to us because we're, we're, we're going to tell you all the, I, I mean, I, I, I went on a long walk today. I went on a 10 mile walk today and I, I stopped two or three podcasts in the middle because all I was getting was, let me tell you how I figured it out. That's all I want to talk about. And I'm like, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. I, want to, I want to get in. I want to get into the sludge. I want to get into the, I still haven't figured it out. I'm really wrestling to try, and, to try and deal and to try and feel whole and alive in the midst of questions that overwhelm me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, and there's no time that I feel that more than right now. Absolutely. A hundred percent. What that, do you mean? Well, you know, uh, with everything that's happened these last few days, this last, this last week of, of, you know, the, the horrible happenings and then the responses and the confusion and which side are you on and, and how do you, how do you respond? I just feel, I feel a hundred, I feel a million percent lost, Tony. Like, right. like I actually getting emotional. I just. I just have so much, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. I don't yeah. know what to say. Yeah. And I want to help, but I feel, I feel like anything I say is going to be the wrong thing. Right. And yeah, it just feels so overwhelming. And I think so many people feel this way right now. Yeah, well, we're, 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 we're living right now not not metaphorically we're living in a world where people are being killed we're living in a world where buildings are being burned and looted we're living in a world where people are are so angry that they're doing things that three months ago they maybe would have said i will never do that and yet they're they're so the the volcano inside of them is so overwhelming that they are trying to act out and then, so I feel, I feel overwhelmed by that. And then I feel ashamed that I sit at home and watch CNN. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and one of the, so one of the things that I'm like gauging in myself and am I, am I, am I watching these scenes because I care? Is it empathy that's driving me or is it voyeurism? Do I just want to, do I just want to, like I'm watching John Wick, like, I just want to watch chaos, you know, or am I going, oh, I'm so, I care so much. I care about all of it, you know, all of it. Or you can uh, be me and want to hide your head in the sand, which is what I've done for most of my life. 
and 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 be start to feel the this weight and then not want to deal with it and 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 hide and look away and um i mean last night for my 100 day project christian wrote a really amazing piece called witness mm. and it's a beautiful piece i highly recommend going and reading it and i had to draw a picture and i drew what i felt was like a representation of myself was this woman with her hands over her face and she barely you know her her fingers are cracked open with one eye looking out and like mm. that's how i feel like for most of my life i've just put my hands over my face and and i can't do that anymore like i can't do that anymore and i don't know i don't know how to move forward so mm. yesterday i actually spent the whole day um, and I, I actually posted this on my stories, but I, I, even then I felt like I was going to say the wrong thing. So I, I, right. I, I bought my first memoir um, written by a, a woman named Austin Channing Brown, and it's called I'm Still Here. And it's her story. And I read it from cover to cover. I downloaded it. Um, I, was, I was watching a... Um, a short little bit by Nadia Boltzweber on her website or on her Instagram. And she, she recommended this book and a few others. And so I downloaded it and I read it from cover to cover and it was, it was stunning and horrifying and convicting and inspiring. And, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, to say this is my first book that I've ever picked up like this and read from cover to cover, like that makes me ashamed, you know? And yet shame isn't gonna do me feeling ashamed of something. Like I want to know what I can do, you know, versus feel, does that make sense? Yeah, no, Kari, read the, read the title of the book for, so we know what you're talking about. It, I said, it's, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm so still I, here. I'm and still the, here. And the, and the topic author, is, so basically, it's just her memoir of living as a black woman in America. Okay. That's, I yeah, just I actually, wanted to make sure that was understood. Yeah, actually, um, I pulled it up really quickly. Let me, let me just read a quick, um, a quick synopsis for y'all. Um, in a time when nearly all institutions, schools, churches, universities, businesses claim to value diversity in their mission statements, I'm Still Here is a powerful account of how and why our actions so often fall short of our words. Austin writes in breathtaking detail about her journey to self-worth and the pitfalls that kill our attempts at racial justice in stories that bear witness to the complexity of America's social fabric from black Cleveland neighborhoods to private schools in the middle-class suburbs from prison walls to the boardrooms of majority white organizations. And so she tells her story and um, yeah, it was super powerful and and so I started digging in and I, you know, I looked at the Google Doc. What can we do? Because you and I, we are, you're a white male, I'm a white female. We were born into privilege. In one of the whitest states in America, one of the, one of the whitest places in the world. Yeah. And I was raised in Eugene, Oregon. I mean. I was raised in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which if you know anything about that in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it it's uh it is amazing to me that i not amazing that's not the word i want to use um 
with that penchant for me to hide my face in in the in the sand, hide hide my face, but hide my whole self in the sand. Um, the the amount of the crying out that we hear, that we've heard this week, has forced me to have to to take my hands off my face. And I mean, all I did was freaking buy a book, but it's a start. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's what is important that we start that we start educating ourselves that we start having curiosity about it because i honestly i haven't right i'll be really honest and because i'm not really affected by it and um and and that's what that's part of this whole the whole the whole situation is that even though we may not be perpetuating it in these huge big um perpetuating injustice in big ways we are part of the infrastructure that does and so how do we how do we start to educate ourselves as to how we can make a difference from the space that we stand so the the mayor of atlanta uh keisha lance bottoms is a african-american woman she gave this unbelievably powerful news conference where her grown boys her grown children She's had to tell them not to go out in the streets because she's just afraid. She's, she's the mayor of one of the most powerful cities on the planet. And she's like, I have to tell my, my grown boys not to go out the streets. I'm I'm just afraid. I can't be sure how they're going to be treated or how they're going to be interpreted or what authorities are going to do to them. This is her response. She, she's over the police department. Like she's, she's completely vested in it. Like it's not, she's not speaking. She's not, she's not lobbing stones from outside. Like she's completely, this is the way she was. I have three obnoxious boys. They're obnoxious. I try to teach them to be respectful, but never once have I thought, never once have I taught them, don't talk back to a police officer because you, you might get choked out. Like that thought's never occurred to me. My thought's never been, Mike, my thought is if you get into trouble, just, just accept it and like, we'll, you know, we'll get you out of jail, whatever, or whatever. Don't run, whatever. But it's all just like, because it'll be less of a hassle for you. It's never once occurred to me to say, don't run if you're doing something that's questionable because you might get shot in the back. Like that thought has never occurred to me. In raising boys, that thought's never occurred to me. And one of my best friends, those are the only questions he cares about with his boys. It's like African-American man, like do with my boys, my only question is don't do something that will get you killed. And I I don't even have to process that idea. And so, and we, we live in this world and uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to overstep here. I'm sure I'm going to get way over my skis, but okay. So, so I lived in, I lived in Eastern Europe in the nineties, all through the nineties. I lived in Eastern Europe right after the wall fell. And, um, and I knew people I knew, like I knew, I literally knew I was friends with people who had risen up against against these communist governments 
and um, and they they did it because they felt helpless and they felt like there's nothing they could do but rise up. They they had no they had no choice left. And when they rose up, what did they do? They lit tanks on fire. They burned buildings. They pulled down statues. They rioted in the streets. And it led to transformation that we all, mm. as capitalists, go, well done, you're heroes. I mean, I grew up in the Christian church that so went, these are heroes. They were up against atheist communism and thank them for doing this and overcoming blah, 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 and burning down these monuments to these false beliefs. You don't think corporations are, are a religion, are a monument to a value system? You don't think these images don't represent a, a violent, oppressive place to some citizens. Yeah. Even if I can't relate to it, I don't see them that way. I don't feel it. But if I enter empathetically in, I mean, when, we, when I was talking to these young people in Eastern Europe who were college students who brought down Ceausescu and brought down Enver Hoxha and brought down Tito and brought down these unbelievably powerful people. And not that I'm, I'm advocating for bringing down the American government. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you feel backed against a corner, you react. Yeah. Sometimes, and this has been going on for a long time. And it's 2020. And George Floyd was killed on a street corner by four white officers. And people are pissed. They're pissed. And if I can't at least go, I have empathy for what you feel. Yeah. If I can at least say that, I'm not saying you have to support it or agree with the tactics, or whatever, but just go at some point you just get tired and you go, I gotta, I gotta burn a tank. And I had friends who, who went on, who, who didn't eat for weeks in order to bring down the Albanian government. They went on a vigil and didn't eat for weeks in order because they were so overwhelmed by the but what they believed was a system that they had no power in. And they're like, we have to speak and find a way to speak. So anyway, I'm, I'm over my skis, so I need to shut up. But um, empathy at least. Agreed. And, and, and I want to watch CNN or MSNBC or ABC or even Fox. I want to watch any of them because I have empathy for what's going on. I want to feel... But if I'm doing it because I'm just being a voyeur and I just like I just like watching chaos, then I need to. Oh, here's another thing, Kari, really quickly. Yeah, I heard this today, a Richard Rohr quote: "Contemplation is not the opposite of action. Contemplation is the opposite of reaction." Mm. And so much of the pilgriming life is that we would live life non-reactively. 
that we would sort of prepare our souls, our hearts, our minds to walk out in the world and to, and to love naturally, not reactively, that we would be selfless naturally, not reactively, that we would be compassionate and empathetic naturally, not reactively, that these would be things that are just the habits of our soul. And, um, and right now around these things, I just want to, I just want to be, I want to be contemplative around them. I want to meditate on these things the way you've like expressed honest emotion on, on this podcast, which is what a gift you've given me and, um, and all of us that I would, I would, I would, I would hold these things with the sobriety and the sacredness that they deserve and not deify all of it. It doesn't mean you have to deify the whole thing on one side or the other and agree with one side or the other, but I would hold all of it with sobriety and with sacredness that it's people trying to work their way out in the world in the midst of unbelievable pain. In the midst of feeling incredibly, incredibly lost. Yeah. Yeah. The way that we feel so much the time. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. You got anything else? Is there anything you haven't said that you would like to say? <laughs> no, I just appreciate... Um, I appreciate, again, having the conversation and that um, I think I think that that worry of of saying the wrong thing is so natural. I'm obviously overcome by it. And and I, I know so many people feel that way. So many white people feel that way. And the I think the thing that the idea of getting beat beyond that fear to 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 misstep to say the wrong thing, but doing it in a conversation where you can have someone correct you, and then you you talk about it and you learn and then you grow. Right. Because if we don't if we don't ever talk about it, like we'll never learn. We'll never learn. And I think that's what hit me is as I read. Austin Channing's book is that, that we need to have, you know, not just the conversation, but it's, it's, it's a start, you know, the conversation is, is, is a starting place. And, and if we fear, we're never going to move forward. We're just going to be paralyzed. Right. And we've been paralyzed a long time. And those that, that are shouting out, we can't fear. I think, I think fearing the thing that's happening is, is, like moving my emotion towards how do I get over that fear of having that conversation so we can actually move positively, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'll, let me just say this. I don't know if this will be helpful to anybody, but um, so a large percentage of my friends are black. Okay. You know that about me. It's been, that's been true for a long time, 15 years. Um, nothing pisses them off more. This is my group of friends. It's not everybody. My, nothing pisses them off more than when I try to pretend like I'm enlightened mm-hmm. and I got it figured out and I'm the, I'm the one white guy who kind of has it. Who's, who's arrived? 
who yeah who's yeah who's woke um what what they want me to be is they want me to externalize my actual feelings my actual thoughts even even when even when they're not politically correct or safe like just just they're just like just f and be you and we'll work through it we'll fight we'll tell you you're being a total a-hole we'll tell you but st stop pretending like yeah. stop yeah and that's been so life-giving to me because i feel accepted yeah and i feel like they want me they actually want me like the whole me not the fake me not the pageantry me not the trying to be the one enlightened white guy you know me but just me they just want me and um and back to back to the word pilgrim ultimately pilgrimage is about that we would move into our true self yeah that we would incorporate our ego we would incorporate our shadow and we would become whole not fake not just distracted not just entertained not just functioning not just making money not just finding fame not just giving ourselves away for false love but that we would become whole and then we would find contentment mm. and true love and goodness and truth and beauty that these would be the things that would inhabit our lives and we would inhabit those transcendent ideas we would inhabit them be co-participants inside of them that's the hope i th i think that we should end right on that okay I think that's beautiful. Next, next time we'll be here with, uh, with Paul Young, author of The Shack. So. I'm excited. Me too. Thanks, Kari. Thanks for talking. Hopefully we've offended everyone equally. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sis. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.